incredible scriptures for this weekend. They must have used up all the good stuff. Lots of anger and warnings. Isaiah wrote a little song. It's poetry, and you can even see it as poetry in the Hebrew, but too often read as prose. So I want you to say it with me, line by line. We'll see what happens. My friend had a vineyard. My friend had a vineyard. On a fertile little hill. On a fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones. He dug it and cleared it of stones. Planting choice vines. Planting choice vines. He even built a press. He even built a press. And waited for the juices to run. And waited for the juices to run. Sour grapes. Sour grapes. Sour grapes. What in the world have you done? What in the world have you done? I will lay it to waste. I will lay it to waste. Unpruned. Undug. Undug. Overgrown with briar and thorn. Overgrown with briar and thorn. No rain. No rain. No rain. No rain. Why? 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 I expected justice. But found, bloodshed. but found bloodshed. Integrity, but a cry of distress. Well done. It begs to be set to music. It is also a stark reminder that God is not the what a friend we have in Jesus pal, but a demanding landlord who reminds us of moral obligations and consequences when we allow injustice to grow in plain sight. Then we get to Luke's gospel. Jesus is really ticked off about something. He said, I have come to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were blazing already. Wow. Now, burning the sacrifices was how you purified them, and how you fed the gods, because the smoke went up to them. Casting fire upon the earth could be punishment or that purification. Written, I believe, by the early church in hindsight, that quote, Jesus said, Baptism, which he must still receive, referred to his death and the distress of his followers and the possibility of their own martyrdom. You think I'm here to bring peace on earth? Remember the song of the angels? Peace on earth, goodwill, no way. What follows is, I think, Luke's description of that early church and all the disruption it was causing in families, turning family members against each other, even possible conflicts between generations. Imagine a son in those days telling his Jewish father that he was becoming Christian. No way. It's obvious from Luke's perspective that this new faith in Jesus was causing enormous divisions within families. So he has Jesus say, you may read the weather. The directions of the winds over there really do tell what the weather is going to be. But you can't even tell what's happening now in front of your noses. 
How could they interpret the signs of the times? How do we? Anyone notice similarities in today's political climate? In view of those lessons, it's tempting to speak about politics. But I believe in the separation of church and state. Our founding fathers rebelled against a nation whose church and state were intertwined. This separation is crucial to our national heritage. So even with all our problems of assimilation through the years, it has allowed us to be a strong, inclusive nation and to keep growing in our understanding. Now you see, I grew up in the segregated South where church and state were totally connected. The Bible used as a basis for segregation. Yes, religion can be and is used for bigotry. And under the title of religious freedom, there is an attempt to legalize discrimination. The separation of church and state is constantly threatened by those who see nothing wrong with prayer in public schools, their classrooms, sports events, or commencements. It's long been quoted that as long as there are algebra tests, there will be prayer in schools. True. But we're dealing with corporate prayer. No one can nor should stop a student, teacher, or staff from silent, personal prayer. Home, along with church or temple or mosque, is the correct place to teach our children religion and prayer. And I would wager that in many homes, especially those clamoring for prayer in public schools, grace is not even said at meals. Speaking of religious hypocrisy, so I affirm the separation of church and state, period. That doesn't mean that we Christians are to be silent on issues of peace and justice or to be silent in the face of injustice anywhere. We must always be mindful of the words of Sinclair Lewis, written in 1935. When fascism comes to America, it will be wrapped in the flag and carrying the cross. The words of Isaiah and Luke do speak to us. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile little hill, planted choice vines. Vineyard is called St. Luke's Church. Planted right here in the midst of Los Gatos. Now place all the imagery of that vineyard here in this place as it instructs us in what we are called to do. This is especially crucial in this interim time. Tend this vineyard. Make it possible to grow good grapes of justice and integrity, what the Bible calls righteousness. And Luke's gospel calls us to overcome fear, intimidation, or laziness and to bring fire, passion in our liturgies and in our work for good in our community, passion in our desire to invite people to drink with us the good wine of intellectual honesty and faith, heartfelt integrity 
in action, wisdom to read the signs of the times, and energy to respond to those signs with understanding and perseverance as bearers of Jesus' spirit into the world.